0: Our reading today comes from Psalm 46, 1 to 11. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah.
1: So the figure that you're about to see on your screen is as accurate a calculation you might find on the number of lives lost to war and armed conflict in 2020. That number reads 83,335. 83,335. 83,335 deaths caused by a war and armed conflict, many of which you've probably never heard of. I certainly hadn't. The next number on your screen is a probably slightly less accurate currently, but no less telling figure, showing the number of deaths caused by COVID-19. In 2020. That number reads 1.23 million. So a slight disclaimer here that these were figures that were taken as recorded towards the end of this week so it's likely that there will have been an increase since then. It is fair to say that COVID-19, the reporting of it, the measures impose an attempt to restrict its spread and the impact it is having on the health and well-being of people across the globe has taken up a fair amount of our collective brain space this past year. Yet, isn't it strange that the news from the rest of the world seems to have diminished in volume, at least if it's not US presidency, pandemic, or Brexit related. The recent terror attacks in France and Austria made the news here in the UK but did you know that of the 83,335 deaths recorded as a result of armed conflict or war, 61 of those were from acts of terror in Pakistan? Did you know that some 2,240 deaths are attributed to the ongoing ethnic violence in South Sudan? Or 2,188 in Iraq and 15,937 in Afghanistan. Those last two almost long since forgotten in the collective awareness of the West. Have you heard of the Kivu conflict in the Democratic Republic of the Congo? I hadn't, but over 3,000 people have died as a result of it this year. This conflict, not considered a full-blown war because the casualties have not hit 10,000 annually, has been raging for 16 years. 16 years. As a church community, and as Simon just mentioned, we have particular links to friends and networks in Israel and Palestine. This so-called minor conflict began in 1948, and has been the cause of over 27,000 fatalities since then. That's 72 years, 72 years. Just as Western Europe was extricating itself from one of the bloodiest episodes in human history, our hands were further stained by the role of the flailing British Empire in the carving up of Palestine. Yet you have to dig around to find any of this out. I read the news daily on my phone from a few different sources attempting to navigate round the complexities of bias and echo chambers. Yet, I don't recall reading in the general press about any of the conflicts that I've just mentioned over the last few months. Our minds are preoccupied, and there is some grace to be found because of that. But, and if I'm only speaking to myself here, then forgive me, where is our heart for the forgotten and the oppressed in this season of isolation and withdrawal? On Remembrance Sunday, we can perhaps fall into patterns of behaviour that encourage us to remember the wars that have most had an impact on Britain and those people we may know personally or their families. Even the symbol of remembrance used for today, the poppy, is to remind us of when the First World War ended. It can sometimes then feel that those big wars of years gone by are all that we are remembering and one would hope seeking to prevent from happening again. And perhaps therefore forgetting that conflict and all the repercussions of it is a very real and present fear for millions globally. In recent weeks, I've been intrigued to see new dialogue on pacifism pop up in online spaces in particular. Age old questions of, should Christians be pacifists? Was Jesus anti-conflict? And are peace and nonviolence the same thing? Are being asked again in light of current social injustices that along with war and armed conflict continue to plague the world. And these questions cannot be viewed in the abstract. How do we as followers of the way respond to police brutality, to the restrictions on the rights to protest? To the deportation of asylum seekers and refugees? How do we respond when countries are invaded and brutalized for their natural resources under the guise of global security? It may be the case that the world has never been more at war with itself than it is today, or it may be that we are just more aware of it. But regardless, it is likely that our hearts are heavy and our minds burdened with sentiments ranging from, I can't do anything about this, stop making me feel so guilty, right through to, oh gosh, I can't do anything about this, help. Or perhaps we swing from one to the next and back again. The beginning of our reading from Psalm 46 today piqued my interest as it starts first by acknowledging God and not the obvious problems to hand, which perhaps other Psalms are known for. Instead, the Psalmist immediately exalts God and makes it very clear that the world may offer times of trouble, but the divine remains a source of strength and refuge despite this. According to Charles Spurgeon, Psalm 46 is often called Martin Luther's Psalm, as whenever there was any great trouble, Luther was alleged to have said, let us sing the 46th Psalm together and then let the devil do his worst. Similarly from Spurgeon, John Wesley preached from Psalm 46 in Hyde Park in 1750 after an earthquake had hit London. A report in the Methodist Recorder from 1950 claims that people leapt in terror from their shaking chairs and leaving their pewter rattling on the shelves Rushed into the streets before the houses should fall on their heads. Wesley focused particularly on verses two and three, as you might imagine. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the the mountains tremble with its tumult. But if we're being honest, What does it actually mean to find refuge in the divine? Perhaps some well-meaning words about the stability of God actually mean very little to you today. Perhaps you'd like a little more of a concrete guide as to how you might be able to tap into some of that strength or find a space in that refuge. When we are seeking refuge from whatever it is that ails us, It is often peace that we deeply crave. Peace to end wars. Peace to calm troubled thoughts. Peace to accept the things that we cannot change. Peace for sore hearts. And peace is often a tricky concept to get across because it can mean anything from resolving decades-long military conflicts such as when used like peace in the Middle East, or it can be used to instill a sense of calm and serenity, like when we might say, I feel at peace. And of course, as Christians, we might attribute the title Prince of Peace to Christ. In the Hebrew scriptures and tradition, peace or shalom is often used in reference to an appearance of calm and tranquility of individuals, groups and nations. The Greek word "irene" is taken to mean unity and accord. And Paul uses this to describe the goal of the fledgling church. This idea of peace can also reflect a sense of homecoming in restoration to the fullness of God through mind, body, and soul. Perhaps then we might find refuge in things that bring us peace that restore us to a better understanding of ourselves and of the God who is at work within us. When practicing yoga, my online instructor encourages the community to find the unity between the breath and the movement, which for me conjures up imagery of the breath of the word moving across the earth. The practice of yoga is to promote unity or harmony between seemingly independent and often warring factions within us. And there is a great wisdom here that Christians can tap into as well. But if you're not able to take up the mat and become a wannabe yogi like me, then where else might you be able to find a sense of shalom, of calm and tranquility in your lives? How might you be able to unite thought, breath, and movement to instill calm and not angst. As the Psalmist continues, we are taken on a journey through a river that brings joy to the city of God. This is a city where God dwells and from which God cannot be removed. Perhaps you're picturing a city like London now or another metropolis such as New York, Tokyo or Mumbai. Whilst the Psalmist likely had other ideas I believe it's not only a powerful image to see god living now in our cities but also rooted in the kingdom concept of the now and not yet god is both here in the chaotic and warring city now and has prepared the way for the peaceful city of the not yet the psalmist continues to extol the virtues of a god who has vanquished the bad guys and stands victorious in a world that thrives without war and conflict, and who commands, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. If you have ever attended a gig or concert, loud performance, or even been in a loud, noisy vehicle, when the sound stops, It almost feels like the sound is deafening, the silence is deafening. It's not that everything else has stopped making noise. It's that you're aware of the absence of the loud sounds from before. There is a similar distinction to be made here. The absence of the sounds of war and of conflict, whether they're outside or within us, enables us to be still and know that which is perfect unity, God. If we are on a trajectory to cities of peace, then it is in the still, the silence and stillness of the absence of conflict where we find the divine. The conflicts may not have yet have stopped, yet there is still shalom to be found. I will admit to feeling slightly defeated at various points throughout this year, and one of those moments was when researching the figures for the beginning of this sermon. I felt no peace and saw only war and conflict both globally but also locally and in my heart on this remembrance sunday let's then ask ourselves whether we are seeking shalom in all areas of our lives and perhaps then ask what our role is in the global shalom the words of the psalmist here i believe are not meant to be a magic cure-all chant we can pray and suddenly fix oppressive structures, systems, and thought processes, but rather a way to reconnect with the truth of Shalom and seek that within ourselves and our communities. It is in unity with God, unity with one another, and unity within ourselves that it is where true peace is found. And so I'll close with words from the gospel according to John in chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid.
2: Thank you, Luke, for that profound reflection on scripture and the nature of the world. We're going to have a moment of silence now so people can hold those questions you've left us with in our minds. And then we'll come back for our panel discussion. So if I could ask the uh, panelists to um, unmute and turn on their videos, that would be great. Um, It'd be good to hear your thoughts. Uh, Something that really struck me actually was this link between the kind of big piece that is kind of, we long for out there and the peace that we might long for in our inner world, and this this connection that Luke was drawing out between what goes on in the dark recesses of my heart and what goes on, you know, on the news uh, around the world. That's just kind of where I started. But um, I wonder what your what your reflections were.
3: I had a reflection on that uh, part about pacifism. Um, I often get asked, I say, I'm almost a pacifist. It's not total because in any situation, I don't know how I will react. And there was um, a picture posted on a forum I'm on uh, of a motorcyclist who was a bit stupid in his reaction to a, a car driver. And I posted a thing that sort of says, There are people who um, go berserk in a fight and there are people who are cool under fire. And an ex-brigadier on the same forum said, I've known both types, which I thought was sort of relevant. So I don't think we ever know how we are going to react and whether we will remain pacifists in all situations.
2: No, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, Stanley Hawass, the um, American theologian, says that he's um, a pacifist, not because he knows in his heart that he tends towards nonviolence, but because he knows in his heart he tends towards violence. So for him, pacifism is a decision taken that he, he's a violent man trying to live nonviolently, um, rather than that he's just kind of scared of violence. And I, I think that's a really interesting insight. There's a level of self-knowledge there uh, which, which still ends up in a pacifist position. Um, any other thoughts on that or any other aspect of what Luke was saying? Nigel?
3: Um,
4: uh, picking up a little bit on what you said at the beginning really, I, I really do believe that that peace and keeping peace is, is we, should be within each one of us. I think you know, there are wars, and that's terrible, and those wars are, I think, an expression of a collective violence, but we all have, if you like, individual acts of violence within us as well. People can be competitive, you know, we can we can have strife, we can exclude people and form groups, and all of those things lead to domestic wars, if you like, you know, in, in workplaces, in families, in churches, and I think... If, if we can try and do what we can in our own hearts that can go a long way you know we can be a part of a, a a small thing going on that can be part of a much larger thing
2: yeah absolutely so if we can model it ourselves and learn to do this amongst ourselves and um, there's somebody who came up with the the, the thesis that um, the greatest contribution Christians could make to world peace would be if Christians decided amongst themselves that they would stop having conflict with other Christians. And that, that would be a really good start. <laughs> Liz, were you going to come in?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I was just reading the what Amy had put, which is um, an interesting point, uh, giving us perhaps, um, a wider view, um, which I, I'm sure you you might, do you want to read read Amy now?
2: Well if I read Amy and then you perhaps offer a reflection on it, so this is really helpful from Amy. I think it's important to put the figure shown at the start of the sermon into context um, and then she's given a link saying see here for some charts that show a decline in conflict since the world wars with a concerning jump after 2010 particularly in the Middle East. Whilst each conflict death is awful and the loss of a human being with a ripple effect on those around them We should also be mindful that humanity has actually made positive progress globally when it comes to deaths in war. That can help give us a better mindset for continuing to strive for peace rather than leading to feelings of hopelessness. So, Liz, what was your kind of reflection?
0: Well, it was the kind of thinking about hope. um, And I don't want to get political, but obviously I know that if you look on social media today, because of what's happened in in the States, there is a degree of... um, hope as well as other things going on about the fact that things can change Um, i i wrote down when when luke was speaking and just after doing the bible reading some some feelings and i i wrote down it was all too much it, hopeless guilt and that was in re, in response to the the, the stats the, the dreadful stats which i don't want to take away from but i then also looking back at the the bible reading started to realize that actually i really like this reading because it is quite different to some of the other psalms um it's it it's It's a very compassionate reading, um, a very compassionate view of God. It's not actually God uh, fighting lots of things and causing lots of things, not explicitly. Um, it, It refers to God being with us. It refers to him as our help, our refuge. Um, and although it talks about desolation that, that, that the Lord has done, um, it talks, it's actually talking about um, the earth melting, talking about war ceasing, talking about breaking bows and shattering spears and burning shields, you know, it, it's, uh, although there's a lot of activism in there, there's also, it's basically stuff to do with, you know, it doesn't go on about killing my enemies and smiting everyone and whatever, what it's talking about is peace, bringing about peace. And and then you've got obviously the, the, the one that's used all the time, be still and know that I am God. Um, and it kind of, for me, linked in with the idea of hope. So the fact that we can feel really guilty and, and and these stats are terrible and sometimes as as mere humans we kind of feel overwhelmed by the, the the just you know almost which cause do we go for which which war do we worry about and if we're not careful as humans we're gonna have a bit of a meltdown because we don't know how to deal with that and I think that if you're feeling a bit like that also alongside with the the pandemic um, and just things happening and perhaps your own personal circumstances this is very much a be compassionate God is is compassionate and and this is where there is passion and there is also God is there with us present and there is rest Um, and so I think Yeah, although there is activism, and I'm not saying in any way we shouldn't be concerned about numbers and the the terrible stuff. I think that also there is this recognition that as humans, we also need to be kind both to ourselves and to each other. And I think it's Jess who said we fight with ourselves as well. And I think that if it's guilt you're feeling, that it's kind of the... um, the kind of now and not there yet that that Luke was saying Um, and partly that's where I wear the poppy and the 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 white peace poppy and have done for quite a while and I know that that's quite contentious and people dislike that but actually it's to do with remembering the stuff and, and remembering the stats and and seeing that this awful stuff's happening but also recognizing that Humans are capable of peace, and that change can happen, and that change can happen for me as well. So there's got to be a bit of hope there, and that, that that God loves me, even though all of there's this rubbish going on.
2: Thanks, Liz. That's really, really helpful and profound. I was just thinking as you were talking, um it sometimes it depends which way around we look it and look at it. Is peace the absence of conflict? or actually is conflict the absence of peace? And I I tend to think of it more that conflict is what happens when people are not working for peace. So actually what we're trying to do is not stop conflict so that we can have peace, but to build peace in order that conflict can end. And I think that can, you know, in terms of picking up this thing about where our activism and where our working for peace fits into this, actually working to build peace, beginning with ourselves and our relationships and our communities and building up into the world is is something we can be actively involved in. I want to just reflect a few of the comments that we've had in the chat out loud and then we'll come back to the panelists um, for any further uh, comments. There were a couple of interesting um, reflections early on from Jess and Peter looking at uh, particularly the Second World War and some of the sacrifices that people made that have not necessarily been acknowledged. So Jess uh, really helpfully draw our attention to the 600,000 Africans who fought for Britain in the World War uh, and th- there's a story to be told there about the way that feeds into current narratives around racism and acknowledging uh, the contributions made by some of the black soldiers during the Second World War and Peter drew our attention to bomber command aircrew Um, This is something that's very close to my heart. I mean, I've spoken before, my grandfather was in coastal command. Uh, Bomber Command at least do now have a memorial uh, and a very moving one it is too. There's still no memorial for coastal command and my grandfather was killed serving in coastal command. So I feel, I I, I kind of wear the red poppy um, for for Fred uh, and the white poppy to work for peace so that no other young men are killed in war. just one or two other ones to uh, pick up on. Solomon notes that uh, it's for all of us to take consciousness of our contemporary history because we tend to overlook too many wrongs. Uh, Jess says uh, that we can be at war with ourselves and I think we we've picked up on that a little bit already this idea that the conflict yeah the the hymn um, O Lamb of God I come the fightings and fears within without O Lamb of God I come captures that sense of inner conflict taking shape in the world around us. Um, Nigel, which I'm assuming is Nigel W, says the conflicts Luke mentioned in the sermon have been mentioned on the BBC World Service. Oh, it was you, it was was Nigel, I was it, in recent weeks. Well, thank you for recommending the BBC World Service. Uh, I'm sure that um, Duncan, who used to work for them as well, would want to echo that. Um, Jess, searching for shalom uh, between our hearts and minds can be a long and difficult process. Uh, and a reminder how shalom can be found through our unity to the Lord, recognising God's ability to bring about peace for all. Uh, Jeff, good point. The reason numbers have dropped is that we've avoided nuclear war, Japan accepted, and you're right, it could have been so much worse. Uh, Jess, we're we're into referencing old hymns. Jeff references the O Still Small Voice of Calm. Um, If you don't know that the hymn... Uh, if you've not heard the version of that hymn, uh, thank you, Jess, for rewording it, "Dear Lord and Parent of Mankind." Uh, there's an amazing version of that sung by Neil Hannon, who's the lead singer of the Divine Comedy. Uh, I would encourage, you, if you don't know that, to Google it. Neil Hannon singing that hymn is um, reduces me to tears. Fifi, good morning, everyone. I just had a thought that perhaps we are feeling hopeless about there being an end to war because a lot of the Old Testament has God fighting wars. So it isn't as abhorrent as it should be. Turning spears into shovels shouldn't be radical. It should be thought of as extreme to have spears in the first place, thank you. There's a whole other sermon to be done on whether the God of the Old Testament is a God of war. Helen says, in one of my favorite musicals, we have the line, the opposite of war isn't peace, it's creation, that's great and Amy comes in again. I agree, Jeff, it could have been so much worse. But I do think that um, given the information overload we face about what's going on around the world it can be easy for us to think now is more violent or worse than then without having a long-term perspective this doesn't mean we shouldn't work for peace because as the 2010 junk shows peace needs to be continually worked towards There you go. there's a few reflections from the chat which is always worth reading out loud because we have we have people joining us by phone who can't see the chat so uh, and people on facebook as well can't see this it's good to reflect that and um, time for some quick further reflections from the panelists if you've got anything else you want to contribute or build on?
3: I think we have to remember that war is generally a fight for resources. It's not normally um, a fight for uh, thoughts and uh, reflections. It's, it's a fight for resources, which is sometimes dressed up as a fight against particular outlooks taken by people. And one of the pieces of news that was swamped this week was the methane release from the Arctic, which is a really, really serious aspect for climate change. And a lot of the wars that are to come will result from the climate change. I think
2: that's right, Jeff. I think that there's there's some real issues around injustice. Um, I think one of the questions to ask when we look at people fighting for resources is uh, who has created the situation where they don't have the resources to live peacefully. Um, I think you're right, people fight for resources, but wh- what set that injustice up? And sometimes the wars we see now are the end result of seeds sown decades earlier. Nigel, did you want to offer any final thoughts?
4: Um, yeah I just really just picking up on on everything people are saying you know I really like that quote from Helen about the opposite of war isn't peace it's creation and I think yeah peace isn't about a lack of war it's about an active peace and I think you know we've talked in recent months about going from being a non-racist church to being an anti-racist church and I think you know we want to go from being a church that wants peace to a church that creates peace and and, and seeks to to make it possible. And I, I just think it is it's quite an active thing to do. You know, it's not just about not wanting wars and no one likes wars. And I, I feel rather challenged in that really. I think that's something for us to think about. Thank you. and um, Liz, any final comments?
0: Um uh just a couple of very brief ones i mean i totally uh, yeah i love that the, the helen's thing about um peace um being uh, creation um i think that uh if you look in the bible passage and um, when we talk about what god does it is very active so you know the 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 kind of breaking bows and uh you know it's not passive and i think i was thinking about luke's yoga uh, um and the kind of individual things we can do actually sometimes i think we need to rest so that's fine that might be rest that might be the Uh, no action but actually I think that where this leads us is to um, positive ways in which we can find that shalom and for individually that might be whatever um, courses or yoga or whatever works for, for for but also as a community you know it leads us into things like london citizens and ways of talking to other communities and and all of that kind of stuff so i don't think that it is passive i think it is very creative the second thing i would say is that the one interesting bit in the in the passage that that kind of made me sit up is the, the there is a river whose streams make glad the city of god and i know that, that this has lots of cross references and, and lots of other stuff going on in the old testament but um, just thinking about that we we have a book that talks about the rivers of London and all the different hidden rivers and the ones that are paved over and it just got me thinking that actually in London there are lots of rivers and a lot of them are hidden you know they're in tunnels or they're you know and you don't quite know you know you can find out where they are but there's a lot of these historic rivers and just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there and I think that for me that's quite a profound um, picture of the way things often are that i might only be able to see on the surface but actually there's all these rivers and there's all this history and there's all this stuff and that's kind of yeah it's not just what you can see it it, it's god is is those rivers (laughs)
2: Thank you. Um, So thank you to the panelists um, for your contributions. Thank you to Luke for such uh, a thought provoking and helpful sermon. Thank you to all those who contributed on chat. Uh, But now I'm going to ask Nigel if he would bring us our prayers of intercession.
4: Thank you, Simon. Let's all pray. God of peace, We have remembered today the victims of war. We remember those wars still going on today in Afghanistan, in Yemen, in Syria, Iraq, Somalia. We remember those military conflicts going on in parts of Mexico, in Turkey, and in Israel and Palestine. We remember too those wars of terrorism, not limited to states, but to individual organizations around the world. There are many struggles, many strifes, ethnic strife, and other conflicts in the world. We pray for peace. Give wisdom and courage to those in power, that they might be bold and generous in seeking peaceful solutions. We pray for peaceful societies. Many nations in the world are divided, divided between ethnic groups, racial groups, rich and poor, those on the left and those on the right. Even this week we have had a concentration on things in the USA and we pray that in that nation, division and enmity might be replaced by cooperation and community. This is our prayer for our own nation too. We pray that those who have power might exercise it for good, for justice and for peace. We pray for our church, for our own community, for our families and for ourselves. Forgive us for those times when we seek to divide one from another, to form exclusive groups, to compete with one another, to seek strife rather than to promote peace. Help each one of us in all our daily relationships to love one another, to look out for one another, to bear patiently with one another. May we always keep before us the example of Jesus Christ. We pray about the coronavirus pandemic. We acknowledge the fear this causes the isolation it causes for so many, the injustice where the vulnerable and poor are often worse affected by the virus itself and by the restrictions placed upon all of us. We pray that you would give wisdom to the scientists and doctors who are seeking a vaccine and seeking a solution. We pray it may be found soon, and we pray for justice in its distribution. We pray for the family and friends of Fred Mardell and of Emma Landley, as they grieve and mourn at this time. Comfort them, we pray. We hold before you those whom we love who are sick, those who are anxious, Those who are unsure about the way ahead, meet with each according to their need. Grant us your love and your peace in our hearts, we pray. Amen.